You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Jones over the top. It is caught and taken in for a Giants touchdown by Rhett Ellison. All right, well, welcome back to Just Giants with Mush and the Cranky Mush, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Mush, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Mush. Hey, Mush. Glad we can, uh, you know, our evil powers worked again. You know, uh, we told everybody we'd, we'd talk to you on Tuesday unless something, you know, very important happened and something, unfortunately, catastrophic happened for this season. And, uh, you know, 2020 can't end soon enough. So um, in the game at 1 o'clock against Chicago, it's in the second quarter, I think, right? Yeah. Um, Saquon Barkley went down with a knee injury. Definitely it, it is currently at this time to be feared as an ACL tear, but it's definitely an ACL injury. Regardless of the nature, uh, I think at this point it's safe to say he's on IR for the year. Um, that it, it, It's catastrophic to this team. It, it is, and you know we were fearful – the play before that, because he was grimacing in pain with his, was it his forearm or it was his left with his arm? No, I, I wasn't fearful of anything about that. He got back up, he flexed it a little bit, and he seemed okay. And then I saw the replay. He just, he came down with his arm fully extended, so he might have had like a very minor, uh, if I say hyperextension, it sounds awful, but like, it's just that, that, that strain put on the, on the elbow joint. He got up, he flexed his arm. I wasn't worried about that in, in any sense at all. And, you know, it's um, ironic and, again, a little more adding to my mushness that I was texting with somebody right before that, and we are talking about Barkley, and I said something to the effect of, I feel like he's going to be a combination in his career heading towards being a combination of Barry Sanders and Emmett Smith. Barry Sanders being, he's a guy who might have minus one, one yard, minus one, 70 yards, five yards, two yards, 84 yards, seven runs, and being like Emmett where it seems like Every game he gets nicked up a little bit and you're fearful he's going to be out for a while, but comes back in and plays. And sure enough, like two plays later, he's out for the year. And it's, you know, it's the major risk of, you know, running backs. This is the big thing that Gettleman was criticized for is, you know, going all in on a, on a running back on, on the second pick because, you know, for the relative value of it, you can get running backs and, you know, this is absolutely not Gettleman's fault. He's hurt, but now it leads a major hole. You know, not only for this year, but you know, besides having him not on the field anymore, it's what does this coaching staff do? You know, as far as what they're trying to implement for this team going forward, short term and for the year and beyond. You. So here's the, the the good thing I think out of this, or the the fortunate lining here is that I don't think that Jason Garrett's offense relies uh, on a. So, so, okay, so Saquon Barkley as a running back is a very, very good running back, right? Um, but what he is more of, which is why the Giants took him in the top five of the draft, is that he's a dynamic offensive weapon. With his ability to catch out of the backfield, he could line up in the slot if he wanted to. He could line up out wide. You know, he can do a lot of things outside of just running between the tackles. Um, so, you know, that kind of weapon, no matter what offense that you're running, is going to be incredibly valuable. I mean, he's the the best all-around talent on this team, period. But I think with what Jason Garrett is trying to introduce here does not require an offensive weapon like that coming out of the backfield. Now, the problem here, in my opinion, doesn't have anything to do with how do we change the scheme to make shit work. It's just... It's a team that doesn't have a lot of talent that just lost its best player. I mean, that's where I'm looking at this from. I think that Jason Garrett, if he can get a, a running back who can just run between the tackles and then he can kind of mix in, Deion Lewis just picks up a lot more than what he was planning on picking up. You know, it, it, I think it's really just that as far as an offensive scheme point of view. As far as how does this team win, you know, that just relies on every single player playing better because now they're out their best player. I mean, that and that right there is already asking for a lot on a team that we didn't expect to crack 8-8. Eight and eight. You know, this is going to be a sub-500 team before the Barkley injury. 
Yeah, I think I would agree with you a little more if we didn't have such a young quarterback who we were we said even last week that we really did not want to have to rely on him throwing the ball 40 times a game, you know, and, uh, you know, this team had up until the injury was struggling to get a a foothold in the running game to begin with. It was brutal last week. Uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me, how he was doing so far, but didn't. He had four carries for 28 yards, so he was doing okay. But I mean, a lot of that was on one run. It was on one play. I mean, so it's too early to, but we certainly, and one of the, the notes I made that I was going to use as talking points, you know, before the injury was, you know, okay, we're, you know, we're six quarters into this season and I'm not exactly, you know, it's a little too early for me to figure out what exactly we're trying to do with the offense. You know, it's still, and I get it. I know all the, you know, we'll go through the same, you know, standard new coaching staff, crazy off season, you know, all this and that, but, uh, to me, you know, it, it's great in theory that Saquon would be this guy that was line, could wind up wide and in the slot and all this stuff. Were they actually doing with that him in, the, in these first six quarters? I mean, was, was he really being an effective weapon yet in these first six quarters doing all those things? No. Um, I just think that, you know, this offense, for talking on the short term, you know, to take pressure off Daniel Jones, this offense was supposed to get the ball into Saquon Barkley's hands as much as possible, even if it was, and we complained a little last week, we, we thought it wasn't enough. And now, you know, my fear is he's going to have to throw the ball 35, 40 times, and he's not there yet to do that. You know, he's played a little better, but the same bugaboos are happening, and, uh, you know, it's just, I feel like we're just going to waste a year of properly installing this offense, what we want to do, while we're trying to make it work with the tools we have. No, I see. I still disagree. I, I don't. I, I agree that this offense isn't built to go on Daniel Jones's arm. That that's not debatable. I mean, down the line in a couple years, I think he's a good guy with good skill set and a, a good head on his shoulders. I see him make little strides game to game since his first game, and that's fine. So maybe in a couple years, he's a maybe even next year, right? He's a guy who you can design an offense to put on his arm and take you to the to the end of the game. But I still think maybe it would there was some design to get the ball into Saquon's hands at any time, but th- this is still this is still Jason Garrett with, you know, two three tight end sets, run between the tackles, etc. You know, I I don't think the offense changes. I don't think the scheme now is, you know, load up Daniel Jones and just start throwing like crazy. I think, you know, this there's a little bit of play calling to have to do with you know, how bad the running game was going in the first game and then, you know, just playing from behind. I, I think that they still want to do that. And I think you can get a running back like Wayne Gallman, for example. I'm not saying him, but I think you can get a running back to go in there and run Jason Garrett's offense. I don't think that the offense was designed to just fuck everything else, get the ball to your playmakers kind of thing. I think this was still – I I, I – liked the idea of Jason Garrett because it seemed to align with the same philosophy of Dave Gettleman is to, you know, just pound the ball, pound the ball. And then when you can throw it, when you can play action, you can play action and throw it. I I, I think that that pairs up really well. And I don't think that the offense was altered in any way this year, other than situationally in the game. Of course, the sample size now is so small that I'm making an argument based on what I think. And that's all it is. So, yeah. And the problem is, you know, if, if that's what, you know, Garrett wants to do, you know, that theoretical pound the ball guy isn't on this roster. You know, we're, you know, the first, another point I had in my notes was Wayne Gallman, you know, inactive. Why is Wayne Gallman inactive if he's your number two, really your number two running back? I mean, I, I guess Deion Lewis might be considered, but, you know, this, this is now the second coaching staff that puts him on the shelf. No, I, so, think, I think that had more why to do is with- it, I can tell you right now, I think that had more to do with Golden Tate being questionable to go into the game and wanting to have a receiver in case something happened in the game that he had to come out. I think that's all that was. I think if if Golden Tate had no hamstring injury whatsoever, I think that, you know, Gallman's potentially active for this game. You know, but, that, but that's telling me then that, that, you know, that's how much they rely on Saquon Barkley doing that job. And now that, you know, he, he was gone. I mean, again, this game was just, you know, kudos to them for, uh, you know, coming back and fighting in this game to get back into it. But, you know, now he has to be, I guess, 
he has to be active going forward. I mean, he's pretty much either the 1A starting running back. And is he that guy who can be that pound-the-rock guy with this offensive line? I don't, that guy's not on this roster. I don't know that the guy's not on the roster. I mean, Gallman looked good in the scrim. I, I don't know. I, we didn't get a, a, any sort of preseason look on who that guy. I mean, wh- what are you saying? Like, we have to get a Derrick Henry, a pound rock guy? I think it just has to be a running back by committee approach now. Instead, I think it was going to be like 70% Barkley, 30% Deion Lewis because Barkley is your big playmaker. And now you're looking at more of a 50-50 between Lewis and Gallman or whoever it is that you want. I think that's all it is, is you're, you're asking them to step up and – you know, you had a guy that did a little bit of everything, and now you don't have him, so you got to just throw more guys at it. I think that's all it is. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to try and downplay this injury. It's the worst thing that could have happened. Of, of all, I mean, outside of next, Daniel next Jones. Next to Daniel Jones. Yeah. yeah that, that's, that's the worst. This is yeah, 1A, nothing, though, for— Yeah, there's nothing worse, really, other than those two that, that could have happened. That, I mean, I, I mean, you can make an argument, I guess, for Andrew Thomas, um, but— yeah, I mean, it is what it, at, at this point we were looking at a sub five hundred team, and it's going to be I'm even not, harder to I'm get not, to that. I'm not, not even talking about uh, record. I don't care about the record. I've said that you know this year doesn't matter. It's about it. It, it really impacts development of this team. It really See, does. See again, I disagree. I, so I, you know what you have in Saquon Barkley in terms of as a playmaker, right? Like you know right? that if you can get the ball in his hands, that is optimal, especially if you can get him in space. And, and, you know, for right. fuck's sake, uh, beyond the line of scrimmage. I think... Agreed. So when you're developing this team, what you're developing is the scheme It fucking it's itself. Like, the, the offensive line has to push off the ball. To me, right now, that should be, like, number one in every offensive meeting is what the fuck are we doing on the offensive line? The run game isn't working. We're getting jammed up at the, at the line of scrimmage. You know, tight ends are still not chipping big time, big name pass rushers, and they're getting a free shot at our quarterback. These are the big problems that I'm seeing here, and none of them have to do with Barkley. I think if Barkley is out for this year, it doesn't change what needs to develop on this team. Barkley doesn't need to develop, I don't think. He's not. Yeah, yeah, but you you design a scheme, you design play calling around what Barkley can do, and you can't. You can't have the same play calling and the same scheme around guys who cannot do what he does. So things have to change. So you have to modify on the fly, you know, how you're scheming, how you're play calling, how you're doing things on top of not really being prepared from a normal offseason to do it. So I I think it really it really hurts. And, you know, uh, you know, I, I know coaches and players always like to use the, well, next man up mentality, and that's great for getting people motivated, but this is not a next man up league. I mean, there are there are starters and there are backups, and Wayne Gallman, we've seen him long enough on this team to know he's a nice rotational guy. I mean, he's all right. Just, there's nothing about him that says, you know, he could be a guy that we can, you know, let, let's say it's 50-50. You know, do you want him running the ball? 15 times a game and you're not going to get anything other than your standard, probably 3.1 run yards a carry. That's it. Yeah. That's so that's definitely true. I, yes. I mean, right. But I don't think, I mean like what we're saying here is, is, is kind of silly because what I'm saying is the big problem here with the run game in general is that running backs are not, they're not getting good yardage per carry, right? Barkley offers you something where, you know, if he just does his magic and he can teleport past the two guys that are flying through the line of scrimmage or whatever, he'll give you a 70-yard run. And I agree with you. Gallman, 99% of running backs in this league aren't going to give you that. But you're not designing an offense for a guy like that to do something like that. Yeah, but we're we're saying designing an offense, well, all the things that Barkley can do. You put him out in the slot. You put him out wide. You do all these other things. Yes, correct. That that part is gone now. That's but, I mean, all I, gone. Yeah, that's that's gone. Um, right. Now what I, do we have? I, I mean, I now I, I think you have your standard. I, I think you're looking at Dion Lewis picking up some of that stuff. I don't think you. I don't really don't think you throw the whole thing in the shredder. Um, but I mean, I think you have Dion Lewis doing some of that stuff. Now that playmaker being look number one is probably not look number one anymore. But it still has to be honored, and you know, whatever. I, I, this impacts the team so incredibly. It's, it's, to me, is going to hurt what happens this year 
game to game. Forget wins and losses, just what happens on the field. But what what Jason Garrett is trying to do, I don't think it really throws the whole thing out the window. I mean, this is this is a young team with a new head coach, with new offensive coordinator, with new defensive coordinator. They just have to get better, period. You know, I, I mean, again, I hate to keep harping on this, but the offensive line cannot be this bad every week, period. I mean, it doesn't matter what offense you try to install. It doesn't matter if Barkley is lined up in the slot, has a torn ACL, or is lined up at fullback. If nobody's going to fucking block, it, you're never even going to get the ball in his hands where you can do anything with it. So, again, the development of this team revolves around just continuing to get better and keep getting reps because they didn't get any. You know, and, and I'm not making excuses. I'm just saying if this team is going to develop, it doesn't really matter if Barkley's involved or not. I mean, if they have to throw out every play that was centered around Saquon Barkley doing something that only Barkley can do, then it, it then throw it out. Whatever. Work on the basics because this team can't get the basics down right now. You know, so so the development of the team still needs to develop Barkley or no Barkley. Yeah, I, I, look. I'm not talking about, you know, in three years from now, it's like, well, we lost, you know, the 2020 season because of this. It's just going to slow things down. You know, and the problem is that we have a, you know, there's a fan base and there's an ownership group, to be very honest, that's losing patience with everything. And, you know, this, and, you know, there's a lot of evidence you can use in your trial of Dave Gettleman. And, you know, should he stay or should he go? And I think, the, not the fact he got hurt makes it a wasted draft pick. I'm not saying that, but I think you're going to see the, the chance to visibly see improvement on this team has been greatly diminished because of this injury that makes him more tenuous to be back next year, to not be able to finish you know, a job that they are working on. Well, and it he, may not oh, be... Are you talking about Gettleman be, being back next year? Yeah, yeah. And it may, it, that may not be fair to him at all, but, you know, and again, I, I implore all of you people, if you're going to be on Twitter during during a game, just just follow people. Don't mute everybody who's not, you know, a reporter, someone at the game who's actually giving information. Because the cesspool that I was seeing even before the injury was just ridiculous of what people's you know instant reactions are. And, and unfortunately, it's all garbage. But the more people read these things, the more it gets parroted and it becomes the mindset of a fan base and and everything. Uh, but I don't know. I, I Gettleman's running out of you get a pass, you get a pass, you get a pass, and I think this hurts. You know his chances of survival after this year, it would maybe not through any of his fault of his own. Um, I, I do think that uh, I, I do think that with Dave Gettleman here, um, I don't think he's going to get any pass out of any of this. And I do think that this team is going to look and feel better as this year goes on. I mean, hope so. <laughs> I mean, I'm just I'm going to take several steps back here and tell you that I I think the, the the offensive line is going to get a little bit better. Daniel Jones is going to calm down a little bit in the pocket, and he'll be able to calm down the pocket. This defense is already playing better than I thought. They have four sacks today, and I know we can say whatever about Mitch Trubisky, you know, but they looked. At times a little lost very early in the game and very, very late after, in my opinion, they were gassed. But throughout most of this game, looked pretty good. I mean, their biggest problem is just third down, but whatever. We'll get it. We'll get into that. But, you know, I think when you're looking at Dave Gettleman, I think, I think that if this team looks better, he's still going to end up staying. Um, I, I, they have to be this bad like week 10 11 12 for for him to really be on his way out in my opinion because Saquon Barkley I don't think is the live and die pick that he made you know I think when once once you pick Jones and if he plays well I mean you're going to criticize him for taking Barkley instead of what a quarterback so they've already got their quarterback you know 
I think it really just becomes down – it comes down to is Gettleman's philosophy now working? So if you start seeing the run game pick up just based on offensive line imposing their will, if you see the defense clamping down, you know Daniel Jones looks a little bit more comfortable. Win or lose, you're seeing an improved team and you can say – you can make the argument that his philosophy is in fact working. He's picked a good coach. Remember, Joe Judge is also on Dave whoa, Gettleman. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let uh, – I've been telling everybody, you know, even for this season alone, whatever you see in these first four games is really, this is glorified preseason right now. So however good or bad people look right now, it's the the offensive lines are gelling together, uh, timing between receivers and and quarterback is getting together. So as bad as things look today, a lot of them I'm going to chalk off to, let's see in week seven or eight. So that I agree with you, but. Making, I, I'm not ready to make any assumptions yet that Daniel Jones is going to be great. I mean, I didn't even say you know, that. <laughs> no, no, I mean, or even, or even just your franchise quarterback going forward. I mean, it, it's a very big to be determined. Joe Judge is a very big to be determined. Um, you know, a lot of these guys are very big to be determined. So I hope that these guys will be better between now and week 16. You know, I, I, I hope. Joe Judge is a good coach and that his coaching staff will coach these guys up to, you know, get the most out of between now and then. I, I, I hope that these things are the case, but those are big monster question marks right now that I'm not ready to go either way and say, you know. No, neither am I. I'm just saying that, if, you see that, this, that, if you see this improvement yeah. by week 16, you know, you, it's just another check in that box. Not check in that box. It's just it's just more – yeah. Ammo in the Daniel Jones is looking like the right pick. Joe Judge is looking like the redhead coach. It, it's not going to be definitive at the end of the season anyway. I mean, even if even if Daniel Jones puts the whole season on his shoulders and looks good, you know, it's it's still not going to say anything because this whole season is just kind of weird. You know, especially if they're they're sub five hundred, it doesn't matter. You know, um, so. It's not going to be it's just it's just going to be more evidence, more chips in that pile for Joe Judge, for Daniel Jones, and ultimately with those two things, the whole philosophy, it all it all leads back to yeah. Gettleman anyway. So Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not making any decisions about anybody other and not even me. I said I didn't say I'm made to pull the plug on Dave Gettleman. I'm saying, you know, what ownership. does yeah. ownership think because it's not just this year. You know, it's it's a combination of this year and what has he done throughout the tenure that he's been there too, and you know, I think we started this by talking about the loss of Barkley, where this is going. But you know, a, a lot of things have to happen to get that you know that full vote of confidence. I think he got the vote of confidence last year and was able to make the decision on the new coach. That's a major vote of confidence. If you, if they weren't sure about him, he would have been out because there was a new coach to be hired. So at that time they did, but I think, you know, I think most of his political capital is gone now, and now it's we need to see results. And the question is going to be: Is does like you said, looking better going to trump a probable horrible record this year and having a very vocal and annoyed fan base and media screaming to get rid of him. I don't know. Um, We might as well start going, segueing right into the game because a lot of these things are kind of some of those markers to watch during this year. And, you know, again, it's way too early to make broad, you know, uh, proclamations. And, you know, this is what we think is set in stone, but, there's some good things we saw, and there's a lot of things we saw which are disturbing. Right. And, so, uh, so jumping into it, the, the, to start it off, Chicago won 17-13. Um, for much of the game, Chicago was in control. It only started to look in the last quarter that the Giants were surging, um, and they absolutely were. Um, major injuries in this game, Saquon Barkley, the ACL we already covered, but Sterling Shepard also right before halftime went down with, uh, you know, they're saying toe. To me, it looked like a, a top-of-the-foot kind of injury. Um, just the way he fell and had the tackler land on his foot looked weird. He was out for the rest of the game. Um, I have no idea what the, what the severity of that. That could be a broken foot. It could not. You know, I, I don't know. Um, that's going to be interesting to look at going forward. Um, but 
I will say, it, since we were talking about Dave Gettleman and some chips in his pile, some chips not, um, I, I was able to glean two stars out of this, and one of them was Dave Gettleman free agent signing James Bradbury. Um, oh, God. Yeah, an incredible was- interception in the second half uh, down the sideline and at an opportunity. I mean, even if he didn't pick it off, an incompletion there forces a punt. But the, the pick right there was just outstanding up against, I think it was against Allen Robinson also. Um, and before that earlier in the game uh, had a major pass breakup that led to the interception that Julian Love had. Uh, you know, he was... You know, he he was not super-duper lockdown corner, but he was as much of an influence in this game as he could possibly have been, you know, without wiping out a receiver. So, you know, he's, absolutely he's something, huge game. He is something that we haven't seen from this Giants defense in a long time. Playmaker. He made plays. And, yes, I, I have him not only as a star of the game, but, like, the bright, shining sun of the game. Because it just seems like he was everywhere and making huge plays at important times. And I think what, you know, for every, you know, every star we have, we have a fart. And I think we look at the other side. I think we are seeing that uh, Corey Valentine is not an NFL starting cornerback. He gets you know, a, a definite I, fart for me. Okay, so you gave Valentine a fart. I, I, you know, I was trying to, to find a singular, like some singular people to pin things on in the fart department, and I was having trouble. So you know, I'll go back and I'll rewatch Corey Ballantyne specifically. To me, he looks like he's, in my opinion, right now in his career, and I don't know, he could get better. Um, he looks like the guy that you want coming off the bench first. He's okay. You know, I, I don't think that he's a bad player. I, I, he didn't stand out to me in this game as being bad. Specifically in this game, what did look bad defensively was just the third down defense. You know, and and I'm not sure to if I'm supposed to be pinning this on players or the scheme. You know, it looked like we were rushing only three guys a lot of time. You know, and I don't think I think the world knows that this defensive backfield isn't good enough for that. You know, and I thought we were doing pretty well rushing four and five guys. You know, it looked like Trubisky was having some trouble staying, you know, calm and collected. He was sacked a couple times. He was hit a couple times. He made some stupid decisions. But it came down to the third down. We rushed three guys. He had time to move around the pocket. And guys just got open. And I don't know that it's Corey Ballantyne or if it's Logan Ryan or, or you know, whatever. Nate Ebner playing safety because McKinney's out and, and so was Adrian Colbert and whatever. I don't know if it's on those guys or if it was just the scheme. I mean, there's no excuse for, the, for a team converting all but one third down. That can't happen. That can't happen. Well, I think part of it might be also, you know, questioning the scheme is how much are they trying to figure out what exactly they have and don't have. You know, you lost, we lost so much off season and no preseason and all that stuff that maybe, you know, they're maybe gambling a little bit to see. Well, let's throw them out there on a, you know, three down set and say and say and make you know, okay, well, obviously they're not ready for this or they're not good enough to do this, and you'll see it. The question will be, will we see in a similar situation in week seven this same scheme? Then it's like. Well, what the hell kind of scheme are we running here? So I think you're going to see, I think you're going to see a lot of experimentation in this first month of things that you know, well, they just didn't work, and you're not going to see that happen again. So again, with these first four games, I'm going to be very lenient on things like, you know, what is this coaching staff doing? What kind of scheme is this? This is obviously not working. I think they still have to find their footing a little bit. But you know, I, I was, I, I'm down on him anyway. I just, you know, again, I think. You know, in a perfect universe, he would not be sniffing. You know, the starting rotation he has to be in there. So you know, he's giving it his best, but I just don't think this guy is very good. And I, I you know, you know, I, yeah, um, that's something that's going to have to be addressed in the off season for sure. Is you know, you know, and it's nothing you could do now. I mean, it's just you just have to ride or die with these guys this year. But you know, one of the big concerns for the off season is going to be to how do you, how do you give hope for the other side because this is not going to work long term. Right. Another another guy who stood out to me on defense, this guy I could pinpoint and, and I'm going to give him a star, uh, was Lorenzo Carter. Second time, you know, he, he looked every bit as good last week as he was advertised this offseason from the beat reporters um, and had another sack in this game. He was constantly in the backfield. He looks the part now. I learned it, the, the light bulb seems to have turned on for this guy. And again, this is a Dave Gettleman draft pick that, you know, was one of those gems that kind of fell a little bit in the draft. Um, and, 
you know, Gettleman was smart enough to pick him up. And it looks like it's now he's becoming that guy who's going to be on the field more and more and more and being an, having an impact on the field. I thought he looked pretty good again today. He looked great on Monday night. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was not really in the mood to give stars today. I have a couple more farts. Um, yeah, pop right to it. I have, I have a fart right for Darius Slayton. Okay. Uh, you know, that third down drop he had late is something you absolutely have to catch. And if we're going to give accolades for, you know, touchdown catches and everything, when you're the other receiver on the other side, when, you know, the number one corner is on you and you're expecting to be having a bigger role, you know, Sterling Shepard, we don't know what his story is going to be. You have to be reliable. You have to make that catch. And I know it's only one play, but for the timing of what it is, you know, you make, you know, it's something where you make the catch, you're not thinking about it afterwards, like, oh, that was a key catch, but it's one of those, you drop something you need to catch, and, you know, it's it just, it, it's a it's a fart in my book, and it just, it, the stink of that fart gives you a fart for the game, unfortunately for him. Yeah, I'll agree with that, and I think another one has to go to the run game in general. I don't know who to pin it on. I tried to rewatch what I could from the offensive line. It, it's, it's hard right now um, with what I had available. Um, but the baseline is we can't have about 50 yards on the ground excluding quarterback scrambles. That, that, that can't be. And I don't care that Barkley is out. You know, you make schemes, you have plays for running backs to total up to close to 100 yards. The, the running game needs to get somewhere near 100 yards per game. No matter if it's two or three running backs or just one guy, doesn't matter. We can't be hovering around 50 yards. And I don't know why, but I don't ever see any run plays going behind who I thought was the best run-blocking tackle in the draft, Andrew Thomas. I'm not seeing anything to the left side. I don't know if it's just me or if I'm blind or I'm not paying attention when it's happening, but it doesn't look like we're running behind Thomas and Hernandez, which is also Hernandez's strength. So I'm not really sure what's going on with that. We all know what I think Jason Garrett wants to do with this offense. You know, we've heard it like we've heard Eric Cornell a little bit, you know, in the offseason. We heard how he wants to go vertical more. But until we are that, you know, until it's proven we can do it consistently, until we have the pass blocking where Daniel Jones can drop back, you know, get time, get air into the ball, hit a receiver deep, make it a consistent part of this offense, we have to be able to run the ball and take up clock. You know, and if we can't do that, this offense is going to be dead in the water. Uh, so, yeah, I, I agree with you with that. Um, another fart I want to give is, and I, again, I give this as more of a uh, conditional fart. You know, uh, uh, we're in 2020, so that's why it's a fart. But uh, allowing the, the, allowing Chicago just to run down the field, that last drive they had, taking up so much time and everything and not getting a stop in the run game was very disappointing. And again, you could say it was, you know, lack of conditioning, you know, week two and all blah, blah, blah. But that really, you know, you need to stop. And we were unable to stop with, with them running the ball towards the end. And I thought that was, uh, that was disappointing. I can't and again, defend that, might... that and I won't either. I, I mean, you're absolutely right. It's one of the notes I had here is that the defense had actually held the Bears in lockdown until that final drive where they needed to make a stop. But they just allowed it to go on for way too long. It, it, to their credit, at one point, the, the Bears converted on a fluke-ass fourth down play that Ugh. was completely defended perfectly. But the fact of the matter is the Bears got the ball with 7 minutes and 45 seconds left in the game. The Giants didn't get it back until 2 minutes and 2 seconds left. That's right. That was the time they needed to make a stop. And I know that they were gassed because they had played pretty much a full game's worth of time by the end of the third quarter, if you look at the yeah. time of possession. So I get it. But that was the time they needed to get their shit together, and they just the, the Bears didn't have to do anything special. I mean, they just really were just running Montgomery down our throats. The Giants are zero and two, and you know, with the expectations, they weren't going to be good anyway. But you know, something late into the third quarter last week against uh, Pittsburgh, they were in the game. You know, they were. You know, it was the last play of the game. They had a chance to win the game today. You know, as bad as they played. You know, losing Barkley, you know, the, you know the, the, the same bugaboo problems with Daniel Jones. We'll get to him in a minute, you know, the, with the turnovers and stuff early on. They were still in this game. And, you know, I, I do give a credit to, you know, I, I know the bar is very low for stars right now, but I want to give like a partial star, you know, to this coaching staff. 
I think just to keeping them, you know, keeping the game in a position where it's potential to win. Now, Chicago is an enigma to me. And again, I'm going to put them in that same four game window of not making any judgments early. But, you know, are they just a quarterback away from being really good or are they really not that good or not sure what to make of them? But that was a game they could have very easily, you know, a, a, a fluky fourth down goes one way or, you know, they call defensive pass interference instead of offensive pass interference on Golden Tate. And we could win that game. We get out of there with a W. So, you know, I, it's a, this team has got so much to do, but, you know, they're not as they're not playing well, but they're also not as bad as we think. And it's kind of a very weird area we're in right now. And I'm not really sure what to – I'm not going to defend this team at all, but I'm also not going to put my head in the oven yet either. Yeah. It, it's almost like you took my notes right, right off my screen and read them yourself. You know, and you mentioned the pass interference at the very end. Buster Screen sure did a hell of an acting job on that one. Uh, to me, that's a no flag anyway. Nobody catches it. But there were some other weird things on that last drive. You know, we had eight seconds left. So when I was looking at it, I thought we have two shots at the end zone here. And instead, we did this weird thing where we just we, we ran like a, a pass play to Deion Lewis for about like three yards. Big deal. Why? We didn't need to get closer for anything. If, I think if anything, once you're around that part of the field, the more room you have for guys to run, maybe the little bit better, you know, a little bit more buffer. I, I'm not really sure what that was supposed to accomplish other than run more time off the clock and eat away one more shot at the end zone. That's just me. Um, but, well, you know, my, oh, I say, how much do you think they still have training wheels on Daniel Jones? I mean, it's still seems you know, I was watching, you know, flipping around the whole league today on, on league cast and watching different quarterbacks. You know, I watched a lot of that Charger game today. I watched Justin Everts and everything. And it seems like there might be a little bit of a governor still on Daniel Jones and what they're letting him do and what he can do at this moment. I think he got to let the kid play. You know, we, you know if, if we're going to have to, you know, throw the ball more because there's no Barkley, you know, let him go out there. I'd rather him, you know, make mistakes, you know, throwing the ball, you know, but getting experience and, and seeing what he really have in him. Then, you know, everything seems to be very controlled and very safe with him, with, with, with the plays we're doing with him and, you know, passing. Is, is that just me or is it just? I think I think there is an element to that. And I think some of that also has to do with him learning a new offense and not getting the offseason. And on that, that again, that's not that's not I'm not making excuses. I think that's just my justification for why they're trying I don't think it's him learning anything. I think it's just it's a lot for a young player to take in and you know and lead. I'm gonna use an anecdotal comparison and going back to Justin Herbert today. This is a guy that was a rookie this year. Didn't even know he was starting until like an hour before the game. And it was kind of, you know, run the offense. Go do it. And I, if I didn't know any better, I would not have known this is a guy who'd never played in the NFL before or was it, was in college this time last year. And it, I, I don't get that sense watching Daniel Jones play right now that, you know, he is playing that way. And again, I get it. I know he's still, this is only what his 16th start in his career, 15th. You know, so it, it's still, re- it's still very young in the thing, but you know, at some point, you got to play more, you know. Just got to. I agree. Know, if aggressive is the word, or just you know. Well, see, like the, not the thing so is, that, yeah, I think that the training rules are still on him. I think that's just you know Jason Garrett and Joe Judge's decision based on what they've seen with him, and I think that's just a, you know, I I don't think that they should be on, especially on a a drive like that. I think he kind of you got to trust him to know the playbook and to know where to look, I guess. You know, if you want to call the plays, you know, whatever, but let him do his thing. You know, he knows how to run a two-minute offense, so. Yeah, on a, on a drive like that, it's not a question of knowing even the playbook. It's like you should have, you know, this is something that you should be kind of, you know, again, we don't have that much practice in the offseason, but you're practicing. This is your handful of go-tos in a situation like this. And, you know, are those plays that he's being given as part of that little package are they just are they a little more training wheeled than they might be with other quarterbacks? And is there a reason why that is? Are they seeing things that you know? I'm just completely speculating this. Are they more concerned, or concerned is too strong a word, 
they, they feel they need to bring him along slower than maybe they wanted to. I, I don't know. No, I, I think you're looking too much into it. I think it's just they're – I think they're implementing a whole new offense with everybody, and the quarterback's the most important part. They're just trying to get everybody on the same page, and I, I think that's all it is. I, I mean, if, if this were like week six – I'm concerned. I think that they're the, the fact that they're concerned makes me concerned. Everything, again, I'm not. You know, it is what it is. I, you know, that whole last drive looked weird to me too. Um, you know, throughout the game, the the play calling looked a little bit like we had seen the week before, right? Where it's like, I guess we're just not running the ball anymore. But then there was some sprinkled in. It looked a little bit better, a little bit more cohesive, certainly than it did against Pittsburgh. But that last drive, again, you know, we start the ball with two minutes and two seconds left in the game. Now, if it's me, you line up in shotgun and you run a draw, right? The clock's going to stop mm-hmm. anyway. Why are you right. throwing, free, throwing there to me makes no sense. I don't know why you do that. Especially, you know, if I'm, if I'm remembering right, you line up in shotgun, you have the draw, and then you have a pass if, if they don't – audible to a pass if they crowd the line of scrimmage. But I think they only had four guys on the line and maybe one backer. You know, so – I don't know what that's about, you know, and I'm not a genius, so I could be completely wrong here. But to me, that's that's right. a free one where the clock's going to stop for no reason. So you run the ball when you can, keep them honest a little bit, and you could probably pick up a couple yards. Let then, let alone, you know, it was like a short out route or something for maybe like seven, eight yards that wasn't caught. Now you get nothing, and the clock stops anyway. So I don't, well, I don't maybe get that it's one. Just, maybe maybe it's overcoaching. Like, well, I. They may think we may run the ball because the two-minute warning is coming, so we'll pass. I mean, that's a possibility. You know, these guys start to overthink themselves and try to over play play a chess game when it's really checkers at that point. You know, who knows? But I, my, but my, but here's here's my thing. And again, it's way too early for me even to have this. But just with my the the uh, taking the Pepsi challenge and just looking at him, I don't want him to be a guy like how. Trubisky, you know, four or five years down the road, how the announcers are, you know, stroking themselves because he was able to complete a third and seven. And, you know, he doesn't have, he doesn't have that it. Like he doesn't have, obviously, he's never going to be a Mahomes. He's never going to be a Watson. He's never going to be one of these guys, a Lamar Jackson. You know, somebody is just, you know, on day one, or it may even be a Joe Burrow even on day one can go out there and throw 60 passes and, you know, 300 and something yards of competitive offense. It's not him. I just don't want him to be a guy who it's just, you know, we're happy he can make a play. And that maybe that's just, and that might, that might be frustration for me right now, just for today's a very frustrating day. And we're, you know, that's why we like to do these shows on Monday night, not Sunday. Uh, But, you know, I I was just listening to these announcements, by the way, God awful. I don't know who the color commentator was in CBS, but that guy is not Charles good. Davis. I, I, yeah. Yeah. Charles Davis sucks. I mean, Charles Davis used to do, uh, you know, Fox never does college football, but they had the BCS and he'd be the color commentator in the games. And, you know, it's very, I'm going on a little bit of a tangent here. You know, we, if you listen to this show, you're probably listening to the worst Giants podcast because there's a lot of great podcasts out there and you're learning you hear from a lot of very smart people who cover the Giants if you listen to other podcasts from the NFL you hear from a lot of intelligent insightful people well I mean Grump's very intelligent insightful I'm just I'm just here on his coattails but you hear all these very smart people talking about the game and different teams and players and just when you on a Sunday you know, you watch the pregame show, and these guys are just reading headlines. And a guy like Charles Davis, who obviously just prepped for this game for like an hour or two or a couple hours before, and can't get past the level of, you know, the headline. It's so frustrating. I mean, I don't know how you feel, but I almost want to watch these games on mute because I feel I'm dumbed down by these guys over, you know, listening to really smart people during the week talk about the, the Giants and, and the NFL. Um, I agree. I, I don't think Charles Davis is super terrible. I, we, I think last uh, week was worse with ESPN. Uh, that one, I mean, you were with me, so you saw me. I was getting frustrated because they're just saying wrong shit. They're calling out wrong. Well, those guys—they're not NFL announcers, so that's, that's give, the, what's the? It's a, a national right. game. You can't be wrong about right. this shit. I'm, I'm giving. I'm giving ESPN. I shouldn't be giving them a pass, but I'll give those two guys a pass because they're put in the position to fail and. They failed. 
Charles Davis has been doing this for I don't know how long for Fox, and it's and it's it's the same with Troy Aikman. It's just like, you know, in the third quarter, they say like the most basic shit in the beginning of the third quarter. It's like that should have been covered in the first thirty seconds of the intro before the kickoff even happened, and it's just like. I, I, you just feel like you're so dumbed down watching a game when you feel like you're so prepared before by, you know, reading good blogs and reading good material and listening to smart people and stuff. And it's just like, the, the you know, and I, and I think it's worse on Fox and, you know, and CBS, but they got to raise their game on who these guys are covering because the, the, the average NFL viewer is smarter than they ever were. They get more information and they get it instantaneously on Twitter. You know, they get their... They're not relying on you to tell us to break us news or to break down things. We already know a lot of this stuff. You better be insightful. You know, end of rant. No, I mean, you're <laughs> right. It, I could rail against the commentators across the league all night. Um, to me, at least Davis is with Eagle, who's okay. You know, not exciting, but not bad, not not informative. You know, there's, there's worse groupings out there. I don't love Charles Davis. You know, it, it just... It is what it is. At this point, you know, the Giants aren't going to get the A teams anymore. Not until they turn their shit around. So we're going to have to sit here and suffer between this, you know, and unfortunately the A team for Fox is going to be Aikman anyway. But, you know, at least if we're being covered by CBS, we can get Romo, who is, in my opinion, of any game that you can watch, is going to be the most intelligent and exciting game you can get. So I think I'll go on the record and say he's the best color commentator Right now, in any sport, you know, there's some really good guys in the NBA. You know, there's some local guys in baseball are really good. But his combination of, you know, anticipating what's going to happen, dissecting a play immediately, you know, being genuinely excited but not being a cheerleader or a rah rah guy, it, it, it's just he's fantastic, and he's raised the the level of the game of um, Jim Nance, who was just. He was okay before. He, he wasn't... was puttering along with it. I mean, the, the two yeah. of them were just, you know, the three-legged racing their way to the end of the game. He was just kind of there, and I think he's gotten a lot better because of it. You know, I know you got you got beefs with uh, uh, Chris Collinsworth, but he's not a dummy. And no, I don't he's not like... stupid. Yeah, I mean, you, you don't like my his beef, style. My beefs maybe, are more so. with Al Michaels than Collinsworth. Right, but, you know, Collinsworth is not a... Uh, you know, he's not reading headlines in the third quarter. You know, he's he's I, analyzing. He's I actually things. think that Collinsworth and Romo are just as fast and intelligent. It's just that Romo is not more exciting to listen to. But Collinsworth will dissect something that just happened immediately after, and he's a hundred percent right almost all the time. You know, he he's so quick with what he just saw. It just happens to be mostly you know receiver and and defensive back oriented. Whereas Romo is really seeing a little bit of everything, but that's such a nitpick. I think Collinsworth is just really good. I just, I just don't love his call. I think he's a little corny, but it, it's that's not what kills me. What kills me is Al Michaels is. He's, a, he's also become a, a bit of a cartoon character of himself, and everybody does that at some point. You know, listen to film of anybody in the beginning of their career towards the end, and it's you know, you develop a stick, you develop what you're known for, like you know, give the public what they want type of thing. So. I guess so. The main takeaway here is this is a game that could have been won. It probably should have been won, but the fact of the matter is the Bears aren't very good. The Giants are going to need to be better to win against average teams like Chicago, and they're going to have to completely turn themselves around to be above-average teams, which they're going to face next week um, at home against San Francisco. So we'll have that whole breakdown at the end of this week, uh, Friday morning for you as we go towards that. You know, there's injuries on both sides. We don't know the severity of anything yet. So we'll – I'm not even going to begin to comment that they might have a leg up or anything like that. So we'll, we'll get into that. But the, the the main thing is here is the, the Giants should have won this game. And they, in spite of tripping over themselves to the end, almost did. So they're just going to have to play better. And I think there's enough talent here to win a couple games here and there, and they didn't do it tonight. I'm not going to go as far to say they should have. I'm going to put. I'm definitely going to put in the category of they definitely put themselves in the position to win it. That 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 is to me is more fair. Should have won it means you know they had it and they just blew it. And I I never got that sense in this game that like that was a game that they they lost. I mean Chicago 
we don't think is that good, but it's Chicago is better than us, and they controlled pretty much this whole game. I think it was a, a definitely, like I said, I'm giving a start to the coaching staff, and you know, really, the teams were just not. This game could have been really ugly, really early. I mean, we could do a parallel to the Jets and 49ers, how that game got really ugly really quickly, and even though all those guys in San Francisco got hurt, they never made an attempt to get back into the game. This team kind of hung around, and you know. They shortened the game and they put themselves in position to to win. So that's something that you can give to to Joe Judge and, Col- and the coaching staff for changing culture. Uh, for now, this- it's week two. You know these guys know the season isn't over, so we'll see. Come week sixteen, Jets are in week two. Yeah, but they, they, they don't have a new over. coach. That's true. So, but you know. <laughs> We're trying to take positives out of this and things to kind of – and no, I'm serious. I mean, you know, that game could have been really ugly really quickly. And oh, then like, absolutely. you know, Saquon, Saquon Barkley going down, you don't know the effect that has on a team. You know, that's your guy. And when he goes down, you know, that's a psychological blow. And they did not quit after that either. So, uh, again, I'm, I'm drawing straws a little bit to try to get some positive out of it. And I think that's a positive for it. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. In week in week thirteen, let's see if this team is you know two and ten, you know, are we still saying these same things or not? Hopefully, we won't be two and ten. But between now and the end of the week, when our next episode is, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at football underscore grump. I'm at the cranky fan, and where you know there's a lot going on. So uh, (laughs) between uh, you know everything happening, I will be very active. You know. Obviously, the Giants, the Tampa Bay Lightning in the Cup, the pennant race, you name it. So uh, give me a follow. Give the Grump a follow. Give this yeah, give this little program a follow. Just follow us. Yeah. Uh, the, the show can be found on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, and more places. Wherever you find us, please be sure to give us a five-star rating and a nice review. And uh, we will, I don't know, give you a nice big hug. So thank you for that. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, the grump, the grump is in charge of the hugs. I'll yeah. give you maybe a fist bump, a fist bump from afar. Well, I mean, there, there's I'll... rain checks until the pandemic is over, but you know, I'll, I'll keep yeah. IOUs on the side, so it's okay. You might get a little uh, a like of your tweet if you do that to me. So <laughs> that's my that's my virtual hug for you. All right, everyone. Everyone, we'll see you Friday morning for our pregame show against the 49ers. Until then, go, go Giants. Giants.